first topic for this week is conflict. Uh, this week. I love it when I do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we do a the weekly, weekly podcast. Yeah. Um, and we, like I uh, saying, we. We chose conflict um, without being presumptuous because of the person that we were asking to join us as a whippet. Um, um, I don't know if you want to allude to some of your previous jobs and stuff, Ash, and, um, and then kind of segue into what conflict means to you. That would be the, my first question for all of us, but I think it'd be interesting to hear about what some of your other roles have been in previous lives and um, how, how conflict links in with you and, and your... Yeah, I'd be glad to. I suppose on the face of it... I- Someone might assume I quite like conflict, given my um, previous jobs. I did 10 years in the military before, finishing leading a training troop uh, for the Royal Engineers. Throughout my time, I spent seven months in Iraq, a couple of months in Jordan, and last tour, uh, operational tour, I, did look, I went looking for um, the things that go bang and uh, in roadside bombs, basically clearing the uh, the routes around Helmand province and for the vehicles to pass through safely. And the daft things, that it's, it's not daft by any stretch, but the nice things like clearing roads so kids can go to school and whatever. Wow. So I did that for, well, 10 years. And then I left and started as a, well, as a teaching assistant uh, in local Prus. Before I, I started working with, with the local Prus and APs, I really wanted to get an education. I absolutely buzz off like helping people, supporting people and seeing them learn. So I was quite cheeky and basically sent a handwritten letter to every school in the local area, basically begging for a job. Unfortunately, the APs got back to us. Outside of work, I do enjoy a lot of boxing. I enjoy a lot of grappling, maybe like the, the martial arts kind of thing. That's a big part of my life. So as I said on the face of it, it might look like I like conflict, but it's, it's probably the last thing that I like. I hate confrontation. I hate aggression, anything along that nature, but I do love a challenge. So to me, I would say conflict on a personal note is maybe internal. Like looking for the internal conflict of can I achieve this? Can I do that? Um, can I run this far? Can I do that for the week? Can I help that person with the internal conflict where they maybe I might want to damage something or or cause some damage in, in crisis. Can I help them support them around it? Actually, that's yeah. some CV, that, mate. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I think if I, if I was to write a book, one, no one would buy it, two, it would take me too long and I'm not intelligent enough to write one. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. What do you think the difference in kind of, Something you might have answered already, but the difference in conflict in uh, when you're out on a on a tour, or obviously that's quite you'll have, you'll be able to let us know. But a physical, explosive, all that side of it, and then a conflict of internal or behaviour in a crew or somebody that's got some real struggle and challenge with the way that they're expressing emotions and feelings. What's the differences and? I don't know if you experienced anything that jumps into your mind. I would say, I, I don't know if I've told any of you this, but I use it some of my training sometimes. I was going to, to Afghan in, in February of 2011. But in October 2010, we went to Jordan to do some kind of confirmation exercise. And Jordan is amazing. On one side, you've got like the really, really rich areas of Jordan in Amman, the, the city centre. But then literally 100 miles, 100 metres outside is really, really poor. There's people get taking a camel to work, so to speak. And then next thing you've got a Bugatti driving down the road next to him. It's, it's really surreal. But when we was way over there, we was doing some map reading exercise. And basically the Jordanian army thought we were trying to break into their camp. So we got surrounded with all these vehicles of massive machine guns, kind of like a Call of Duty kind of Toyota pickup with a massive aircraft weapon aimed at us. So on one side, we've got one kid told me we was going to run. I'm going to run, Ash. I'm going to go because you're proper, proper scared. Mm-hmm. On the other side, I've got someone of equal rank to me. 
well, getting up, she stood up and started shouting at all the soldiers. So when I think about it from kind of what I know now, we've got one person going into mega fight or flight, can't control his kind of his regulation. We've got one person going into the proper fight where she's willing to start shouting with the people that's got guns and they're pointing at us. I don't know whether I'm answering your question, but... That's a really I've... good link, though. I, it's one of the things that I kind of hopefully wanted to draw together was the link between that conflict and fight and fight. And you've given the, such a great uh, example of... I don't think I could tell a story that, that explained it in a better way, really. It's strange, from, from, where, from where I was standing, I was kind of, I want to say, 50 metres back from where this was happening, because, well, I shouldn't have been, but I was texting my soon-to-be wife, who was getting married in the, in the, um, on Boxing Day. So I was texting, it was a head night. So I was texting and saying, I'll send a picture of what you look like. So all the mates said, dress up as you do. So on one side, I've got someone's going to run off and get us all killed. On the other hand, I've got someone now shouting at them and they're going to get killed. And then I've got my wife vibrating in my pocket, asking me why I haven't replied to her messages. So three really, really scary situations. Are... What was... Ash, I'm, I'm sorry, can I just... I'm yeah, really curious to know how your... What's your thought process like in conflict in like that situation in the army and sort of out there? And then how does that differ to your thought process in school? Or is it the same when, you, when you're gritted with, I don't know, two kids in AP having a scrap or trying to smash some windows? That sort of conflict, is, is your thought process any different to supporting it? I like to think it's the same. I also make kind of a, a bad, quick decision and escalate either of those situations that'd be wrong. So I think what I call it a condor moment. So kind of taking a step back and kind of looking at all the different variables going around. Any decision making in those kind of environments, unless you need to make something safe, is worth at least a 10 second thought. It's a really good piece of advice. What, yeah. were you, what were you thinking in that, in that kind of moment then, when you've got those three different scenarios going off? What were your thoughts and feelings in that moment? I kind of disconnected. There's a bloke I listen to his podcast called Jocko Willink. He's this Navy SEAL guy, and he's got his book. Out. I'll I'll um I'll send you a link to it later. But he talks about the disconnect and detachment. Did you so dis- I, disconnect through disassociation, or we just like just shit, panic, stay or... back from it. It's like an out of body experience. I want to say. I don't know if yeah. that sounds a bit out of this world. No, I get what you're saying. Mamby pamby, but kind of disconnecting from it because before Afghan, I've been on operational tours before, and I've been in various levels of kind of leadership. So it kind of, it all fall, in a sense, all fell, to, fell towards me. Whether that's the ego talking, I don't know, but I knew if, so what one lad, we'll call him um, Brucey, because that was his name. But if he was going to run off, if he was going to run off, that would have gone really bad. And, and mm. two, if I won't name this, the other lady, we'll, but we'll call her Tanya. Uh, if she was escalating, then that was the biggest threat. And what happened next? So in, in a set, if I was to think about it from um, a kind of de-escalation point of view, we kind of did a change of face, me, me and Tanya. A bit of calm talk and I stood up. I took my body armour off in nice, low control movements, hopefully to try and, um, one, make me less of a threat. Two, I had a big um, cat badge and a uh, British flag on my chest. No, no one were friendly. Hopefully they knew who was in the area. So we did a bit of a change. But then my phone started flashing. It's like the lights, it was pitch black at night. It was like four in the morning. Um, was there the, a language barrier? Yeah, so all I knew what, what to do was to say hello, goodbye, thank you, uh, and where where's the uh, the bomb? That's I was just thinking in terms of what, and what you're communicating there, taking your body armour off, and that's really important, isn't it? That, that will have really helped the escalate situation. You're telling them that I'm safe and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to be hurt and attacked. So. I think it was all done by accident. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. You don't start a fight with someone with a gun, really, do you? So, I think it's really clear as well, that stepping back, like, to sort of step yourself back and be able to make those very clear decisions that are informed as well. So 
I suppose I'm not gonna I'm not gonna assume, but I would imagine that maybe some of them are quite instinctual by that point from training and things like that. And then oh, massively, are, yeah. And then others are where you may be thinking on your toes. So like, ah, I'm wearing a Great Britain flag and I've got a cat on my chest. This might work. So it kind of like dovetails in those instincts and those being able to think on your toes. But like you say, it's not thinking. I think when people hear thinking on your toes, it's like coming up with something really quick. But what that kind of alludes to is that you're not taking that time to step back and think about it, which I think is is a really good point that you've made there. So you made that decision really quickly, but you made it after stepping back and sort of thinking about mm. it. So it's that, I suppose it's that um, more speed, less haste type thing. Yeah, I think... Just kind of going to what you're saying there, the British Army's spent, well, hundreds of years investing in leadership. I think the position I was in, um, they say it's the best rank to have because you've got loads of autonomy, but you've got a lot of guidelines and procedures to kind of follow. So if you was to, if I was in that situation two years previously, um, when I got promoted, I would have, I know I would have handled that a lot differently, a lot more aggressive, a lot more confrontational. Um, but given the kind of the training I'd gone through and all the different scenarios I've been put through, it does it informs your decisions after that. One of the things that you've talked about is how you like the internal conflict, which I think is a really, really good way of, of describing that thing that goes off inside of all, everybody as all. Can you give us a good example of that um, and how, uh, again, either personal or professional, how you're thinking and feeling about when something when you've got an internal conflict and maybe what you do to support yourself or diffuse a situation or support somebody else with that internal conflict? Uh, we'll go personal first and hopefully something we can all resonate with to a certain degree. But when I compete, I, com- I compete uh, in, in grappling at 80 kilos and I'm a natural like 85. So I have to get down a little bit. So I walk into, I look in the fridge and there's either a pepper army or an apple. So I've got that internal struggle of, do I just have that pepper army? And then I'll go and raid the biscuits in. And then I'll just do an extra couple of miles the next day. But in terms of, I could just have the apple and I'll do the extra extra couple of miles any day. Um, yeah, I get that. Yeah. My, my big struggle at the minute is salt and vinegar, share bag crisps. <laughs> I don't think you share them either, do you? No. I can't stop. Once they're open, they just ah, demolish them. Honestly, it's a real problem. I need to speak you want to you want pack it now, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's a real struggle. The struggle is real. <laughs> so, what do you what do you do in in that scenario? Um, the right answer for this conversation probably will say I would have the apple and go running, but I'll probably just have the pepper army, then the apple, and then I'll go running. <laughs> but it's the it's the constant for me. I like challenge. I think I've over the last couple of years I've learnt who I really am through lots of different things that have happened to us, and I know what works well for me, and I know structure and routine and challenge work really well. Because if I'm bored, I don't, I'm not destructive, but I'm not working at my best self kind of thing yeah so would you and say that i do need that challenge would you say that the, the structure and the routine is the thing that supports you with that internal conflict then because it makes it very easy, easier for you to make the right choice if you want to call it that yeah I'd say, the appropriate choice i'd say like sitting at home and watching netflix and having a, and a four pack and a, and a takeaway is amazing but i feel to get there i have to earn it through like physical exercise or mental challenge or I'll have it and, and not do that and I'll feel I will feel a bit grosser a couple of days later I think I'm shaking your head look <laughs> you don't need to earn that you don't need to earn that Ash just if you want it you can have it 
I'll take I it. Do, I'm now sitting uh, eight kilos heavier than I should be, so uh, I've indulged <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, I don't have that same conflict. I just, I just give in. I suppose I'll open it up, boys. What does conflict mean to you guys? Have you got any I scenarios? Think, I think I'm similar to Ash in. I'm similar to Ash in terms of I don't in, I don't necessarily enjoy conflict, but I enjoy um, supporting people through conflict. I get a real buzz out of diffusing a confrontation. Mm. Um, like I would never I would never put myself into the argument, but like in in a work example, of two kids are having a, a fight, or there's a there's a whole classroom that's gone absolutely bonkers. I love going in and trying to see see the final product, see it all nice and calm. But if my friends are having an argument in the football changing rooms, I'd never like join in with the argument. I help try to diffuse it. Even if I agree with one of them, I don't jump in and sort of join in because I don't like conflict myself and I try and avoid it as much as I can. But I really do enjoy helping people through conflict. Yeah, I think I, I see it as like, almost like a mind game, I think. So whether it's whether it's my internal conflict in, in similar ways that you've described, Ash, we're like you know, food and drink and exercise and what's good for you and what's not good for you and working and, you know, having time to play, if you like, to go without work. Or, or whether each other people like yourself, Luke, you know, like I'm in a very similar situation where, you know, I do get satisfaction out of being able to diffuse a conflicting situation. I think that challenge, it's like a mind game to me. It's like, and it's, it goes then, I think, feeds back to what Ash has described about taking a step back and, you know, what we've said about thinking on your toes and the training and things like that is how can I diffuse this situation? And it's almost like you learn something a little bit new each time, I think. And it's kind of that, yeah, that mind game with yourself of how to do it, reflecting on it afterwards. I don't know, really. It's just like off the top of my head, I just see it as like, how can I sort this out? So it's like a puzzle, I suppose. Which I suppose is a challenge, doesn't it? Yeah, which is yeah. what you're saying, Ash, about having the challenge of not have enjoying the conflict or the confrontation, but the challenge of, I suppose, trying to resolve it or support through it. But sorry, do your friends always say to you like, "How do you do the sort of job you do?" Because I just lose it, and like, I, yeah. I don't understand how you could do that. I mean, like, we do it because we enjoy. It. We don't enjoy the actual conflict itself, but it's that that's that end result, isn't it? It's that feeling afterwards. I think for me, my if, if you were to do a timeline of conflict, the reason why I do what I do now is because it, it started with me. You know, I was very hot-tempered. I used to get into trouble with teachers and stuff like that. I, but I, from an early age, I can always remember, even though I, I'd lose my temper and I'd see red or however you wanted to describe it, I'd go into crisis, I'd be in fight or flight. I could always remember not wanting to repeat that. You know, so when people talk to me about it now, they said, oh my God, you do that. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, you who used to do this now does that and all my that's that's how my friends have sort of seen it but then that's someone who hasn't maybe seen me for a while but friends that I've kept in touch with or close friends family they've seen me I think kind of go on that journey so it makes a lot more sense to them yeah I just see it as kind of giving back a little bit in terms of just paying it forward someone was there at some point to help me out of that crisis yeah and I think because I can relate to it really well, I just see it now as I'm paying that forward. Just based on what everyone kind of says, like we always, I'm a re- I like to think I'm a really reflective person. So I know all the mistakes I've made when, I, when I've caused an incident to escalate or I've not handled it properly. And, and judging by what everyone else has, has said, we kind of, we use those experiences to help inform in the future. I think for me, when I, when I used to box in my early 20s, my first couple of bouts, I can't remember a thing. Pure adrenaline dump. Uh, and I've seen videos of my boxing. I was absolutely horrendous. I was fortunate to come on the right side of a couple of those. I thought, well, I need to be able to calm my mind in chaos kind of thing, having that ability to step back. Like you, John, I kind of 
I don't know if I'm stealing this quote from someone else. An experience is kind of wasted if it's not shared to a certain extent. Like if you've seen something happen and you're not helping someone else in a similar situation, it's almost wasted. All right, yeah, that's a nice little uh, quote. You've shared you've shared a couple of sort of strategies to resolve conflict and to help people out of conflict already, Ash. Have you got any other sort of like quick wins that you want to share with us? If I was to share my quickest win, you can't necessarily have conflict for someone that doesn't want conflict. In essence, if you're not the right person to help support a conflict, get yeah. someone else have that professional courtesy to, to support each other through it. Absolutely. I think it's such such a good tool and strategy to be able to just go, I need to get out of here because I'm not the right person. And, and then for you to be supported and to know that you've not done something wrong or something bad, I'm just thinking, you know, on a work term, it's just sometimes you get caught up in trying to want to solve things or be the person that fixes that problem. And I, you're never going to be that all the time. It's no shame either, is it? Noticing that, yeah. recognising that. I did it the other night at bedtime again. So we had a, a bedtime problem and I could feel myself ready to give that bollocking and that sort of like that shout. And I just, I, I am not the right person to do this right now. So I just need to just mm. step away. And, and it was better then, 10 minutes. And then I could actually make a logical decision about what to actually do. You've got to recognise that in yourself and pull yourself away. And that's really hard. I think my tip or quick win would be breathing just from experience and I suppose trying to link it to as much science as possible would be to just try and reset the kind of chemical imbalance that's trying to overtake your body when you're talking stress without going into too much detail something that I picked up after doing that little bit of mindfulness on that course that I did quite a few years ago and trying to just take it on board for me rather than trying to mould me into the way that they that course was set up or that things are set out in mindfulness if anybody's heard of it or unsure about it i think if you take the essence of mindfulness and make it work for you in different scenarios it it works and fits a lot better so for me my tip would be similar to what you're saying about that kind of disassociation or that disconnection ash in a sense of just breathe for 10 seconds um you know in and i've been in some some really stressful situations inside and outside of work for a lot of them when I have done that, it's helped me to realise I'm the wrong person and swap out or make a more logical, rational decision, hopefully. Mm. Just through kind of trying to, it, it links, you'll know the person that I'm talking about when I say it's somebody that pushed it massively in one of my old schools mm. and just kind of being in the moment and being here and now, it's something I take away from that person in a sense of they were incredible at being able to just be centred, I suppose, or being in that moment. And I feel that they say it does and I've felt that 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 breath it just draws you back in and hopefully supports you to make a decision yeah I think I think mine's it's it's recognising the feeling so it's like sensing you know if I start to get hot if I start to get that kind of white noise feeling so I know I'm I'm going offline it it starts so it's not necessarily the strategies because sometimes I do just need to walk away obviously in a professional capacity, that's a lot harder unless you've got someone there supporting you. Um, and to be honest, I think because it's in a professional capacity, my reactions are as strong. I'm not as emotionally attached. And I think that's the bottom line. When you're arguing with family, when you're arguing with yeah. friends, you're emotionally attached and it's a lot harder to sort of keep online. So it's slightly different anyway. But for me, the biggest strategy is recognising the signs from your body when it is starting to tell you you're going to go into crisis. You are going to lose, you know, whether that's sweaty palms, whether that's your heart beating faster, whether you can feel that adrenaline start to kick in. With me, it really is that kind of, the old TVs where it used to go to the static screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
black and white screen. That's the only way I can describe what, what I visualize the inside of my head as when I'm starting to go offline and lose that control and going into crisis. And as soon as I recognize that, then it could be a multitude of, of strategies. And the first one is I turn off. So I don't listen anymore. And, I, and, and like, I know we don't listen when we're offline anyway and in crisis because we can't, but I kind of beat the crisis to it and turn myself offline. So I know that nothing's going to make it worse then. So I can totally take myself out, even if I'm still present. And that's able to, like you say, Jake, then help to keep me centered. Mm. So instead of, instead of all the, the situation piling on top and getting worse and worse and worse, I kind of take that, that time, whatever it might be. Then I might do the breathing and other stuff, which can be suggested. But I think my ultimate tip is know when you're getting agitated in that sense from what your body's telling you. What I picked up on there is that you've got to know yourself, haven't you, before you can seek to support someone else and help other yeah. people. You've got to know what your flashpoints are and how your body feels. And I know when I'm getting a bit irritated, because I might snap at like, my kids, for example, I might snap at my kids I'm thinking, is what they're doing really annoying? Or is it I'm just becoming really irritated? More often than not, it's because of my tolerance. You look at the window of tolerance, mine's getting shorter because maybe I've not drank enough water, maybe I've had too much caffeine, I had a poor night's sleep. So what I try to do is look internally before I look out. Very difficult. It is. Um, it's so easy to point the yeah. finger out and not, you know, point it back in. Yeah. You've got to, I think you've got to have an awareness. One sort of a quick win from me would be that what they're doing is not necessarily there to intentionally hurt you. It might be their only option in that situation. They might be in a, yeah. in a, in a state of mind where they've got no other option. That's their only choice or the only choice that they, they can access at that time. Uh, and our job is obviously to support them and, and, and let them access other choices and options that they've got. But I think we need to not take it too personally. Otherwise that puts us into that state where we can't react rationally. And also if we have an awareness before the conflict happens of what makes us tick, then we're more prepped for it if it's going to happen because we're consciously thinking about that thing that winds us up and then when it does happen, ah, I know this winds me up, you're more likely to think rationally and logically. So yeah. four, four quick tips there. I like them, Jake. Good, good little quick wins there. But what I found as well is whatever my trigger points were, I worked on them in between. I tried to put them into perspective. I tried to say, well, this behavior, whatever it is, it is just a communication. Yeah. So it's not personal that I've... I've in between everything, whatever I've always tried to do is make sure that if it's a trigger point coming from someone else is to try and get that perspective and empathy right. And it's not, it's empathy. It's not sympathy. I'm not going to make excuses for what they're doing. It still does annoy me to the extent as it did before, but because I'm able to empathize with why they're doing it, I'm able to understand that it is a form of communication and that I'm able to put the whole situation into perspective in between incidents. It allows again, me to stay centered in that and I suppose what I do then is when I shut off I remind myself of that so I I, I remind myself of the empathy of of putting it into perspective you know that these are young adults or that their children kind of helps as well at the same time I suppose context yeah yeah I quite like using that to support the people um, but they've got to be in the right frame of mind I've always felt found it's you know going in and reminding them of context when that thing's happening doesn't always support them in the right, you know, in the moment I've found personally from my experience when they're in the right frame of mind, when they're in the right part of the brain, if you give them a bit of context, it does, like you're saying, John, support that. 
empathic response or that understanding. I wanted to ask you a question about um, what you were talking about in a sense of sensing into your, yourself and your body. When did you first kind of come across that and what sort of things did you do to figure that out and, I don't know, it was gain those skills? All, it was almost by accident, like I said before, the bo- boxing. First couple of bouts, I can't remember a thing. I can remember stepping into the ring and after that, mine went completely blank. And I kind of then took, after I think I had 10 bouts in total after that and went into more coaching role. I think, how can I help the lads that are boxing under me stay calm? And it's all come through breath work. You watch boxing or any kind of sport where it's based on rounds or even like snooker and tennis, in between sets, in between shots, they're all breathing in the sides, at the sidelines, shooting. I didn't even think about this, but looking at different shooting competitions, watching those in the, in the sidelines, they're all being really mindful. So they're taking long, deep breaths and whatever breathing technique they're looking at. So it does, it helps lower cortisol and manage your adrenal responses and just kind of get your head, thinking of the three-part brain, into your thinking part. And then you can make much more informed decisions. And in my own practice, I use Headspace daily, um, which focuses a lot on breath and body scans. And it just keeps me grounded. I've got a nice routine going. I wouldn't say I'm enlightened, but I'm, I'm more aware of my body. So I can see if I know if my uh, my calves are getting tight, I know I've been walking around quite quite quickly. So I've noticed that. So it's taking more mindful walk, even walking. If you're walking, power walking from classroom to classroom or crisis to crisis, you're going further and further into a kind of a negative mindset in resolving conflict. What about you, John? There's something that you kind of talked about in a sense of sensing stuff or figuring out that you know when you're. Yeah, I suppose that with my own, because it was an inner conflict, because I was able to reflect, I suppose mine came from shame. I wanted to do something about it. I didn't want to put myself and others through that to that extent. I could see how destructive it was. It was just a case of, I don't want to feel like this again, so what, what do I have to do about it? And it took a while. You know, you, you're able to kind of, because you're naturally trying to stop it again, you're, you, you're looking at, well, Right, let's go back to the beginning. What happened? Well, this happened. Then I did that. Then I did that. Then then they did that. And you know, you kind of build. You go through the whole sort of incident in your head. Ten, ten years old. Yeah. And thinking, what? And then you know that went into. And then the thing is, is then you know I'm trying to do something about it. Then you you go into your teenage years. You know, synapses, hormones, everything all over the place. And I, I kind of feel like when I was a teenager, I took quite a few steps backwards. But I was able to from taking those steps backwards, recover much quicker, sorry, to make sense, um, because I was able to recognise those feelings within inside my body. I was, I was able to recognise those sensations. And, and then once you kind of recognise that from naturally reflecting, you're able to sort of think, right, that is the point where I need to do something. Forget, yeah. any, forget any other step. Go right back to that point where my body is telling me you're going to do something you're going to regret because I'm going to go into crisis or fight or flight. Yeah. When you can recognise that moment within yourself, then that's when you can really sort of take a step back. And- how old were you when you? How old were you? Not when you recognise it. Cause you said you recognise it when you were young, and I'm the same. I can I can rec- I get the same sensation now that I used to do when I was ten years old. Like when you when you were ten, couldn't do anything about it. When you're a teenager, you just lost it. How old do you think you were when you could actually? step away for for me I think it's since like mid-twenties I was able to recognise it and do something about it uh, which was walk away because I didn't want I knew what the outcome would be if I didn't and I don't want that outcome anymore it's not a preferable outcome so I was about mid-twenties I don't know if it was different for you guys yeah I think it, definitely it, for me like I said uh, you know in a professional capacity 
straight straight out of uni and when I went in, in, into work working as a Bavis bar worker, I could do it because you know you've got a different mindset as your job. But on a personal level, I would say that the person I'm probably closest to the most, having you know spent more than half my life with her, my wife, it was probably it probably took me longer to get to that point with her than it yeah. did with anybody else because then you've also got the emotional side and the kind of she's supposed to, you know, we're supposed to be this for each other, yet I'm hurting her, or there's that kind of, you get that kind of addition to the conflict, whereas I think if it's a stranger, it becomes a lot easier to walk away. And even a family member, you can kind of, I'd say maybe early 20s, 21, something like that, when I started working, so in a professional capacity, all with strangers, much quicker. But we're family members, yeah, probably mid-twenties. I think that's, this is definitely worth bearing in mind, you know, when we're working with kids, especially in AP and Prue's and stuff, and, and they're, they're showing these reactions that we don't want them to show. They don't know how not to do it yet. They, they might have the skills inside them, but de- developmentally, they're just not ready to do it. And, and we say that, well, the, the neuroscience says that the brain's not fully developed until about 25, doesn't it? So it sort of makes sense what we're saying there. It's easy to see a 16-year-old and not, re- not really recognise in that moment if you're taking it personally that they probably yeah. have an emotional literacy of six years yeah. old, not 16. And even if they are developed at 16, like you're saying, Luke, they've probably got another 10 years to go before they're fully yeah that, that frontal that frontal cortex uh, capacity to make rational decisions is offline isn't it yeah and they've got 10 years more experience to gain haven't they and, and figuring it out yeah. themselves basically it's a long yeah. time isn't it it's, it's, well it's more than I'm just working out percentages here they've only been alive 15 years so 10 years is a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think one of the things that's helped me linking it back to kind of one of the other the other podcasts really briefly before we wrap up was was the, the ability to release as well. So, like, I'm thinking conflict. I'm thinking rugby. There's a lot of physical conflict, similar to what you're saying, actually, in a contact sport. Physical conflict. And sometimes that boils over, but I think a thing that's always helped me is a kind of ability to be low and level and calm in those scenarios where things do boil over. But I still find myself on a rugby pitch more than anywhere else, I suppose, and not as much as other people, but I find myself getting kind of boiling over or buying into conflict where you know like even 10 seconds after i'm like god what is that I, I, that was the most stupid and ridiculous thing to be wound up about <laughs> and and it just doesn't make sense but then after the game or wherever you think a bit more rationally because you're not in the heat at the moment you're not you haven't got those chemicals flying around but i, I think that does help in a sense having that space to physically release alongside there's conflict in there isn't there i don't know if i'm trying to get if i'm getting that across in the right way but i do i think that having the space to physically release where the com where there is conflict has helped me over trying to think when i started playing rugby i must have been in, in the primary school so a long time been spent playing i've been spent around conflict because I, yeah, I remember being in junior games where things have got heated and stuff it sounds daft but it does as you guys will know from playing different sport and whatnot, but taking some of that into work, the positive stuff, managing conflict, I think it's also helped on the other side, taking the work or taking the personal element of being able to stay centred or calm into into a space where there is a lot of conflict. Whereas for me, going out on my mountain bike now, so I don't play football anymore, mainly due to injuries and age and stuff, but going out on my mountain bike, having that physical feedback and having that sort of pushing yourself and almost, I don't want to say punishing yourself, you are pushing yourself, you do, you want to do 
further than you did last time. I suppose it's, and at that point, it's not necessarily an inner conflict, I don't think. It's just striving to do better at that point. But also on a bike ride, you can shut off. So you can have that time where you're maybe not pushing yourself. You can be, you know, I can be on the Leeds-Liverpool Canal and just admiring, just taking in the views and stuff. It's just two ways. For me, that, that provides both. It provides that physical release. And it provides that being able to just shut off and that mental space of just that headspace that Ash talked about, just being able to, me and my bike, just go off. I think that'd be a good spot to, to draw us in unless any of you guys have got anything to drop on the end. I suppose we better go towards Luke's line, haven't we? You want my line, Jake? I've got what everybody answer. tunes in for. Absolutely. <laughs> Here we go. Peace is not absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. Oh. Another knowledge bomb dropped by right. Mr. Mitchell. Right, thank you for listening again. Massive thank you to our guest, Ash. Um, really, really enjoyed that, mate. Um, we'll probably ask you to jump back on at another point if you're all right with that. Um, oh, play, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. I've got, like, T-shirts made for you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a follow on Twitter, at 3 Whippet. We are on SoundCloud. We're on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple now. So we're actually striving to get this as far and as wide as possible. Yeah, get yeah. typing into YouTube, three flat caps and a whippet, and you'll find us there. Um, get in touch with us uh, on any of those platforms or at the... Um, I can't remember the email address, but anyway. If you want to get <laughs> on for a chat or you want to be a whippet, anything, just get in touch. And thank you again for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.